For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, well, it's time for today's AM Minnesota program. Going to be talking about a number of topics today. The new farm bill that is in the process of being written. A little bit on the state side, too, with some things going on at the Minnesota legislature and industrial hemp. Privileged to have David Ladd in studio with RDL Associates. And boy, Dave, you and I go back a <laughs> ways, don't we? A lot of years. In fact, you could put it into decades. <laughs> uh, and you've always been kind of involved in the public policy and and not specifically with one side or the other. Whereas, you know, RDL and Associates, you have clients that mm-hmm. you work with uh, on the policy side with both sides of the aisle. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we work, you know, I, I broke into this business as we've talked about before. And in, in, when I was young in 1990 was my first experience up on out in DC. And, you know, it's, it's changed um, a lot over the last X number of decades, but I'm always kind of a, a policy guy, right? Uh, I, I like, know policy wonk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I also, you know, also I love history. And, and, and so you see those kind of combinations, the sign of the, the tools you use to research or to kind of have some critical thinking or, you know, look at seven, eight or nine sides of an issue, I think is, is what I really enjoy. And I, you know, I do a lot on the federal level, but yeah, we'll, uh, I've also found that that I've had a range of clients where sometimes there is the answer somewhere. Right. It's just getting the sides to, to realize they can have the conversation. One of the things that bothers me the most about this whole political climate is we don't have conversations anymore. And here's a classic example. I wasn't real excited about taking prime high quality farmland that could grow 270 bushel corn and 70 bushel beans and putting solar panels on it. Now, if it's, uh, you know, marginal land or land that likes to drown out once while hillside, you know, makes perfect logic to me. Well, I was talking with Ralph Kaler. Do you know Ralph Kaler? Uh, I know. Energy. Well, I've known Ralph yep. since before he was in that when he was with uh, a territory manager with the herbicide company. And I was visiting with him about that. And we were having a conversation. And he said, well, Jerry, what about this? So you got 80 acres of prime farmland here takes a lot of money and you're going to be struggling to make the payments for a lot of years. What if you took a few acres of that, put solar panels on and all at once the rest of the farm cash flows easily. Yeah. And I go, gee, I never thought of it that way. That's a, a legitimate argument. But the key is we weren't screaming and yelling at each other. We thought we had different views, but we had a conversation. And even if you're still going to disagree, you can say, hey, I see where they're coming from. Well, I want to know, yeah, and for me too, I want to know the other side. Uh, even if I'm going to try to continue to advance or, or uh, you know, share the perspective of, of my perspective or my clients or what have you, I want to know uh, where the other uh, viewpoints are coming from. I mean, and you know this, I'm a, I'm a football coach, right? Yeah. Uh, 
I, I can't just set up my defense. I want to have an anticipation of the of the uh, ability or the options that that opposing offense might have. How right? you can can uh, neutralize counter your strengths, it. Yeah. counter it, or where you know you might be able to find some some areas of agreement. So yes, that's. Um, Kind of how I always viewed it, and, and I think again, we, we as a group of us that are beginning together for 20, 25 years, we're going to get together again on uh, Thursday, this Thursday in St. Paul, and it's about just it's Republicans, it's Democrats, it's everything in between. Just sit down and have a, just talk in a social environment. So then your first conversation isn't necessarily negative, you, you know, or or adversarial. You've had it. You, you get to know each other on a personal level. And when I broke into politics again in 1990 or I can't remember how many years was that 30 years um who's counting yeah and I'm I'm not a math major uh but that you know people still talked right yeah. so you got to know one another a bit so that's kind of uh now again I'll spend I, I tell my clients I don't promise you an outcome I promise you a bulldog effort and a bulldog attitude yeah. uh so yeah, yeah and you know, the proper background and yeah. research to have the good argument with uh, to make the point yeah, yeah. yeah to, to to be able to say when someone comes to me with uh, research or we have a study, uh, I'll say, what was the methodology? What was the sample size? Yeah. The first thing I look at is a margin of error. I look at registered versus likely, all those okay. sorts of things. I want to know what their methodology was mm -hmm. as well. So um, then you can kind of go from there. You know how reliable that that. It might be. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yep. Well, anyway, wanted to get an update uh, because one of your clients is you work with industrial hemp and where are we in the state of Minnesota? And that kind of ties in because I am assuming that that will be tied into the federal farm bill some way too because we did get permission to develop state programs in the last farm bill, didn't we? Yes, and that's kind of, again, one thing I've been watching uh, at the uh, state legislature is the uh, adult use recreational um, uh, marijuana that's going through. In fact, Jerry, as you know, when I walked in here, I was finishing up listening to the, the final conference committee on that bill at the state legislature. And although as the Minnesota Industrial Hemp Association, we've remained neutral on the issue of legalization. A lot of, of folks see those two very similar. Yes. Yeah. We've said there's a lot of issues on the industrial hemp, on the industrial hemp side um, that we've raised with members of the legislature and, and senators throughout the process uh, and so some of those have been addressed, but uh, it does still cause us some concerns now of what's going to come out of that conference committee, and they'll vote on it in the House and the Senate floor uh, this week is their hope. Uh, in fact, I'm positive they will. Um, either Wednesday or Thursday would be my, my guess. Um, and again, the conference committee just finished up. Uh, there's still a lot of industrial hemp provisions that cause, give us pause uh, and so we're going to have to monitor that. Now, it's one thing to pass it. It's another thing to implement it and, and, and uh, administer it. So the, 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 it doesn't end. In fact, a lot of ways it, it continues or begins uh, with the executive branch now um, taking over once that's passed. And probably the Department of Agriculture would be involved then in, in some of the implementation of the industrial hemp? Well, they will all fall under this Minnesota, the uh, Office of Cannabis. Um, oh. And what we have advocated for is making sure that the Department of Ag, even if, or a separate division under that Office of Cannabis Management, uh, that we have a separate division even 
um, that deals with industrial hemp. Yeah. Because, again, it does feed into, you're correct, it feeds into the federal farm bill. Now, we can talk about the timing of that and all those other dynamics and, uh, and those sorts of things. Um, but, you know, uh, that is going to be an area uh, that uh, where will it interface? And we've had in, uh, concerns because uh, we do have a federal perspective. We've had concerns uh, in the Minnesota bill and, and people have differing perspectives on this. Uh, on interstate commerce and uh, licensures and making sure, I think we've talked in the past, you may, as a as a grower of corn and soybeans, as a producer, you may want to look at industrial hemp. A few acres or something. Whatever it might be, right? Um, But again, pencil meets paper. Pencil and paper need to cash flow, right? And so it's not going to displace. But if you were to come to me now, I'd say just be really, really careful uh, on the licensure piece, when you when you look for a license to perhaps uh, produce industrial hemp or grow it, just just really make sure your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed because there's a lot of license categories, and the last thing you would want to do is put your uh, your federal tax status at risk. Um, so you want to be really careful. That would be the advice I would give anyone who would come to me who say, yeah. We, Hey, I want to play around with this. I want to test it. I want to be my own experiment station. I've done my homework. I have a place for it. You know, all that other, those other sorts of things. I just say, let's just really do your due diligence and make sure um, that, again, as my chairman from Arkansas used to say, that the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, yeah because the ma- first major thing is, so I harvested. I don't even know you how you harvested. So who's going to process it? Who's going to pay me so I can pay my bills? Yes, like I said, where's the processing plant, or where's the and what's the the range, the region? Yeah. It's no different in a lot of ways than than an ethanol facility or, or what have you um, getting their stock right. There's a there's a, uh, a the feedstock. There's a diminishing returns the further you go out from yeah. that central point. So and that's different for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what I always try to do say is uh, and do is say we need policies that are flexible. Uh, and able to meet a shifting market demands because that's what producers, and I told, uh, I shared with those that have supported the bill at the Minnesota legislature. I've worked with other uh, companies that, uh, and lobbyists that have concerns like we do on the industrial hemp side. I've said um, um, we need to make sure uh, that markets, they're able to respond to markets and that one size doesn't fit all. And I said, that's, that's a concern we've had uh, throughout this whole process and we're going to continue to, to have uh, as we go forward here and at the federal level. Something that just popped in my mind about interstate commerce. So I might be licensed here, but I'm in southern Minnesota, 50 miles from the Iowa border. So the processing plant might be across the border in Iowa. And then it started ringing bells. Well, now you've got interstate commerce and, and there's... Yeah well, well, we, yeah, well, we've had a lot of those concerns or those that have done the low-potency edibles that, that were um, approved and passed last year. I, I would agree that we should have some guide rails on that. Um, but, yeah, kind of the devil's in the details. You'd be fine. But, again, yeah, if, it depends on where you are on the border. Maybe you're in Moorhead or, or yeah. up near yeah. Moorhead or Fargo. And I'm, not, I'm just saying make sure you ask the right questions and have the people with you that can, if they don't know the answer, know the people who can provide them. A couple points. First, we used to grow a lot of industrial hemp. 
As I mentioned before, the, just north of Wells, the hemp plant, the buildings are still there. A farmer mm-hmm. bought it and is using them for storage. The hemp plant just west of New Richland is still there. So we did successfully grow hemp here, but now some of the issues are talking with the processing plants and all of these things. And I could be a doubting Jerry and say, they're never going to pull this off. But on the other hand, look what farmers did in the Minnesota legislature with ethanol. Yes. You know, so it can be done. And then my grandpa told the story when he first started growing beans, there was no market for beans. Mm -hmm. He grew it for forages. It was very high in protein and his cows milked like crazy off of it. Look what happened there. So in those markets and that whole infrastructure didn't develop overnight either. Well, that's what I've tried to hopefully provide in a, in a rational way um, to those that are, you know, been supportive of the, of the current bill that's soon to pass the legislature is that I come from a different perspective. I have the issues. I deal with individuals like you. I'm, for the last 30 years, I've dealt with producers, farmers, corn and soybean, dairy, you know, yeah. cat, livestock, what have you. I said, it's a little different perspective than um, some others. And I, I told them, I hope I'm bringing that to the table as well. Um, and I hope in a reasonable way. Um, because this is the you, pond This and, is the pond I swim in, I, and I'm comfortable <laughs> in, right? But the um, key is, back to my original point, all sides have to be talking yeah. so that we understand one another and can can make some progress. Yeah, I was at the Capitol. I did take this as a compliment. I think we'll probably talk. I've, I've some of those that have that have been supportive of, of the current bill there. I mean, we, we're going about our business, but I told a couple of them, I said, hey, when this is all said and done, let's just grab some coffee. I, he goes, yeah, Dave, I, you know, we're opposite sides of this issue in a lot of ways. But I, he, Dave, Dave, I've always wanted you to be reasonable. I said, yeah. I the same. I said yeah. so. When this is let, when things have settled and cooled down a bit, let's just try and find some time to grab coffee and just have a conversation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and move forward. So that's the challenge. That's why if you look at at the federal, uh, the Minnesota Industrial Hemp Association federal priorities, you talk about manufacturing and processing and all those things. Um, our priorities are access to capital. Yeah, well, risk, that's huge. <laughs> risk, risk management tools, eligibility for, say, USGA rural development programs or what have you. Um, and again, uh, interstate commerce, maybe a stamp of approval. I mean, our stuff deals with, uh, our priorities deal with markets. And that's, that's the priorities we've been sharing with the federal delegation here in Minnesota and beyond. Because a lot of people look at, and, and they have a kind of a sour taste of, regarding CBD, and not having a market for yeah. it. And probably, I know there's people that still have that crop, you know, looking, they you know, did the due diligence, right? Yeah. We always have to do that. Um, but I'm looking at, you know, I'm, I'm saying, how do we develop markets and access to capital that make economic sense? Because markets are going to do what markets do, and that's adjust, right? But how do we uh, ensure things like, you know, fiber, food, grain, um, hempcrete, uh, building materials, that capital, that regulatory framework, those opportunities. And we still have Senator Mitch McConnell from Kentucky, who's at this point the majority leader yeah. of the Senate. And I was uh, on a, a call yesterday with a, a Senate Ag Committee staffer uh, in D.C. And, and someone else. And uh, they said, yeah, Mitch, you can rest assured Mitch McConnell's going to have a, a continued interest in, oh, wow. in how this, what this looks like. Never good if a farm guy misses a market break <laughs> because we're still raising corn and soybeans and catalogs. Uh, Dave Stanbyer, the market update from Brownfield. 
Sponsored by the KDHL Agri Boosters. They include Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency in Nearstrand, along with Insulation Services. Give Nate a call to find out about all the advantages of spray foam or blown-in insulation. 507-993-4570 or online at insulationservicesinc.com. And Northern Buildings for quality post-frame construction. Go to their website, northernbuildings.com. Soybean and corn futures are lower, cattle are mixed, hogs are higher. I'm John Perkins with a Brownfield Market Update. With more than 50 corn lines to choose from, Stein offers elite genetics with a broad range of traits. Learn more at steinseed.com. Soybeans and corn are down on fund and technical selling, along with spillover from the broader market. U.S. soybean planting is faster than average with warm, dry weather in the near-term forecast for many areas. Brazil's basis is moving higher, which could help U.S. soybean exports. July beans are down 29 at 13.71 and three quarters. August is 23 and a half lower at 13.04 and three quarters. July bean meals down five dollars thirty cents at 4.25.60. July soybean oils 153 points lower at 48.16. Corn's down uh, 65 percent of the crops planted, but there is the possibility of an increase in prevent plant acres in some northern growing areas. Domestic cash basis levels are strong. Farmers selling slow. But with the broader market and the uh, planning, July be- corn's down eight and a half at five eighty three and three quarters. September's down six and three quarters at five eleven and a quarter. And wheat's down with the Black Sea Grain Initiative unlikely to be extended, and no meetings are uh, scheduled ahead of the expiration on Thursday. The hard red winter wheat crops in very poor shape, and spring wheat planting remains slow. July Chicago's down sixteen and a quarter at six forty four and three quarters. Watching planning and development weather, July cotton's up 42 at 82.79, and July rice is down two and a half at 17.83. Live cattle are lower, feeders are higher, watching corn and the direct markets. June live's down 17 at 164.15, August is a dime lower at 162.65, August feeders are up 37 at 231.42. And hogs have just turned mixed, adjusting spreads, contracts are at a premium to cash. June's 35 higher at 86.50. July's 30 lower at 87.20. John Perkins, Brownfield Market Update. AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. The Market Update also sponsored by these KDHL Agra Boosters. Matt's Roofing specializing in any shingling project plus farm buildings and residential roofing. Over 100 years combined experience. No payment until completely satisfied. Give Troy Matz a call. 507-838-2254. And also Krennic Stump Grinding in Faribault. If you don't want to mow around those stumps in your yard all summer long, again, give Chris Krennic a call. 507-491-2948. Or online at KrennicStumpGrinding.com. That's K-R-E-N-I-K. Chris is local and offers great discounts. My guest on today's AM Minnesota program is David Ladd with RDL Associates. During the market break, I just commented to Dave that he can swim in his big ocean on the federal level and the state level up at the legislature. I'll, I'll go out to the peace and quiet out at the farm. Well, I guess I, mean, I don't have any marketable skills, but I'm full of useless, full of useless information. Speaking of markets that you just did in a different in a different context, but yeah, I'm just an ag policy guy uh, in general. I know we've talked a lot about industrial hemp and those sorts of things, but um, I just uh, I'm inquisitive by nature as well. So um, that that's kind of where I have a comfort zone is just trying to look at these these policies and everything from. I've, 
experience everything from dairy to corn and soybeans to tobacco to wheat to cotton uh, to rice uh, in no my hemp. previous <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah, no hemp. Uh, and so uh, it's kind of interesting. Again, what's what's old is new again. A lot of these things we've seen and these conversations we've had. But and, and speaking of new, just before the break, you mentioned something again that I wanted to bring up. When my grandpa was growing hemp, it was rope for the war effort. Well, you mentioned so many other uses for industrial hemp, like construction. Yep. Yeah, construction. Uh, there's a, a form of rebar. I think, again, and I've said this before, and I'll say it publicly again because it's true. Uh, AURI does a great job uh, on end uses, in my opinion. Uh, Northern Crops Institute, uh, they do some great work as well uh, on end uses for just pro ag products in yeah. general. But but I also know that the work they've done uh, on, on the industrial hemp side. And again, I keep saying industrial because that's on purpose. Yeah. Industrial hemp, is that's why it's in the name of the organization yeah. as well, uh, to know that there's those other uses. And I think some at the federal level, some, some national groups who kind of put out their priorities. We were asked to sign on to that priorities to, to the House and Senate Agriculture Committees uh, as an association, and we declined. A lot of them we agreed with, but it also, I think they were missing the mark uh, on advocating for some other things like what we've talked yeah. about, whether it be the, the erosion strips, uh, you know, along, mats along, uh, uh, along um, highways or even, you know, the shingles, uh, roofing yeah. materials. I mean, there's a whole host. That's the exciting part that I see of opportunity. Uh, and we hope that, that policies at the federal level or state level don't stifle uh, innovation and opportunity by creating uncertainty. And rural development. And you could also kind of fit this under some of the conservation yep. provisions of the new farm bill. But as you mentioned, that takes some R&D, A-U-R-I, that's what they do. So, you know, we kind of transition to the federal farm bill to make sure that we can continue to do this because you know what? The ethanol industry had to start somewhere. Look at where they are now. They've grown up, they're on their own in dynamic business. You know, growing soybeans are number two cash crop. That started with no market anywhere. So there is hope, but it's one step at a time. Well, and that's another priority. And I know it's not just for, for you know, this particular issue of, of industrial hemp or hemp, but it is, you touched on it, research. That's another priority uh, at the federal level. As we look at the Farm Bill, there's a research title. Um, there's obviously an energy title. There's a conservation title. There's a trade title. There's obviously nutrition title, which is the major, the major, major uh, expenditure, projected expenditures. And so research is key, varieties, and and uh, it just doesn't happen overnight. Uh, so, so yes, there's a lot of exciting opportunities as well uh, out there. And I'm just hoping to play uh, whatever part we can on these issues um, to help. Uh, I just believe in Main Street, Minnesota, or Main Street, America. Again, I'm a kid. I just say I was born and raised in Hutchinson. That's where I'm from. I live in Apple Valley, but... But I, I'm from Hutch, and I just am a believer in Main Street, Minnesota, and the opportunities. And honestly, Jerry, every time you've asked me to, to come on the air, I've jumped at the opportunity to physically come to the studio. Because even though it's only a half hour away, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, get out of, get out <laughs> of the city. I'll take it, right? Yeah. So I'll take the opportunity to just come out and have a conversation. Uh, and and you they, mentioned another thing that really caught my attention, rebar. Yeah. Now think of, uh, you have to mine the iron ore and huge energy costs to make this steel. Gee, 
we can grow hemp that's as good as steel and rebar. It's exciting, the opportunities that are there. But there again, yeah. it's some R&D to refine it, knowing it can be done, but then refined it and on a commercial scale, two yep. different things. And that's where we go back to the farm bill again and rural development. And I mean, there's many dollars in the those programs, so let's prioritize. And, and I've always said too, I mean, I, I'm the type that, you, sh you can argue about the size, and this is my federal hat coming up. You can argue about the size of the pie all you want. Uh, should it be bigger, smaller, some, somewhere in between? But once that pie is baked, then you have to say, how do we efficiently uh, consume our slice, yeah. right? Accountability, yeah. there should be oversight. You know, just money's not for money's sake, but have that accountability built in. But I call them taxpayer investments. Not every taxpayer investment is a bad investment, um, but there should be accountability as well. And then, uh, as well. And then, like I said, once once that pie is baked, what's your slice look like? Yeah. What did it spend? We've only got five six minutes left, but the federal farm bill, one of the largest probably in history that they're talking about, and, and give us that breakdown about. Farmers, uh, that $1.5 trillion or whatever, that isn't coming to farmers. Yeah, it's expected to be, uh, again, uh, over a 10-year, they do a 10-year yeah, yeah. uh, baseline, uh, $1.5 trillion. Over 10 years. Over 10 years. Uh, of that, over a trillion of it is nutrition programs. Now, coupled with that is we had the pandemic and we had the um, Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which put some money in there. The question is now, can that be, will that be moved into the baseline? I know that that the conversation that was had yesterday with people at the federal level was um, that needs to be done in a bipartisan way. How do we capture that uh, in, in the most efficient way? And I'm sure you'll have uh, Democrats on one side and Republicans on another. I'm generalizing, of course, who will have different perspectives on if that comes into the baseline, what that should look like. Uh, but yes, it's well over a trillion on the nutrition programs. And of course, uh, that's kind of a, an indicator of, of kind of where priorities will be as, as you look at crafting this farm bill uh, on the nutrition spending. But yes, you have conservation's a small slice of that. The commodity title, which is Title I, is a small, very, very small, small, small slice. You've got rural development is... Rural development, uh, well over a trillion is projected to be on the nutrition programs. And so that'll be the question of, of how is that allocated and what's the best way to, to go about crafting that farm and bill and having the coalition. And nutrition is like the SNAP, we used to call it, it's been called many names. It's WIC yeah. and it's school lunch program support and, and all those things. SNAP. And, and maybe yeah. that's why we can still have a farm bill that puts a safety net in for farmers, helps with the crop insurance. Because without that coalition of the urban legislators, we wouldn't probably have enough clout to, to get anything done. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it this way. Every U.S. senator is an ag senator, whether they realize it or not. If they eat, they're an ag senator. Yeah. Well, and they have the whole state, right? Uh, not every House member is, has agriculture. Now, they do. I would argue they do because food security is national security. Yeah. I would argue they do, whether it be, you know, the grocery store or what, whatever. I mean, I, I would argue they have a vested interest in agriculture, but that's the key on, on the coalitions. And, and the challenge we're going to have on this farm bill is not just the continued downward budgetary pressures, uh, but also um, 
those continued pressures. But what do those coalitions uh, look like? Uh, I've seen coalitions evolve and, and they're happening now as well. Um, but you're also going to have new members uh, in the Senate who've Maybe in with the House. Maybe different perspectives. Yeah, who've never written a farm bill, yeah. ever. They may have been involved in agriculture. I know, like I said, I, I, I uh, Congressman Finstead, for example, in the first district. I know he's been around agriculture a long time. He's a farmer. He gets it. Uh, he's been at Center for Rural Policy. He's been at USDA. You know all of that. But again, he's one of those. This will be the first right of a farm bill, Which and he's is a whole different ball game. And he's, than- yeah, and he's further ahead. Uh, he's further along the curve than a lot of his colleagues. So there's a lot of education. Uh, that will go on as well. I call it job security for people like Dave. <laughs> well, that's provided people want to listen. Yeah, well, there is that. <laughs> you know, again, you can share what you want. It's you know, but they're going to do what they're going to do. Again, you don't get to to move the pieces on the chessboard. Hopefully, you get to give some solid advice for those who do. Right. A couple of minutes left. We got to talk a little bit about the federal government going way back to George Washington, recognize the importance of supporting agriculture and farmers. Yeah, Washington, you know, he, you know, you can go through any number of of, of uh, speeches or remarks or what have you. Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, as we know, uh, I think Henry Clay, those senators. Um, and so again, what's, what's, what's old is new again. Uh, there is a value uh, to agriculture. Now, of course, it has evolved yeah. since those times, but the core principle is, is there. Reasonably priced, safe, secure food supply for the nation. My view is, again, food security is national, national security, and if you don't feed your people, and we had a little bit of a taste of it yeah, during the pandemic, we're used to going to the grocery store and seeing what we want. Supply chain issues, all of that is I always important. I never thought in my lifetime in the United States of America I would go to the local grocery store and see a meat case that was almost empty. Yep. You see that in Russia or somewhere else. You don't see that in America. I saw it. It reminded me of, to a degree, when I went to Cuba. Uh, we only got 45 yep. seconds left. The computer's going to cut me off. You got to come back again. <laughs> any anytime, anytime you will have me, I will be here. So I appreciate the opportunity. And, I, and like I always say to the legislative director, Farm Bureau, Farmers Union, Corn Growers, Farm, I appreciate you being keeping an eye in D.C. and St. Paul so I don't have to. <laughs> well, and you do a great job. So your listeners are well served. So thank Thanks you. Thanks coming in, Dave. Thank David you. David Ladd with RDL. Here's next. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.